Thank you. It's good to be here today and be able to share God's Word with you today. And it's, it's a privilege and an honor. And I just want to say uh, thank you to Jake and thank you for Ten Mile Baptist Church here coming up. A week from Tuesday, I'll be up in Springfield. And when I'm up there, I'll, I'll be sharing about uh, churches that's impacted my life. And uh, one of the, two of the churches are right here in Hamlin County that's had a huge impact on my life. I'll be talking uh, just 10 minutes. That's hard for any preacher to go 10 minutes. But um, 10 minutes to talk about three churches in Blooming Grove and uh, United Missionary in Lick Creek and uh, then 10 Mile Baptist Church. And, you know, one of the things that, that uh, if you have, see the, on the screen this morning, it says dream big. And, and, you know, that's one of the things that I've never had a problem doing as dreaming big. I mean, I think we need to dream big. And I, and I think a lot of our churches have missed it because they've stopped dreaming big. They stop dreaming about what God can do and how God can work. And we need to see today uh, how God can work. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. And we're going to be in verse 14 in just a moment about dreaming big and seeing what God can do. It's what God can do through you and how that God can use you to impact the world. Because I really believe, I really believe that God wants you to impact the world. Uh, this year, we were sitting and, and uh, having a, a conference call, Zoom call, excuse me, it was a Teams call, and I had a group of guys with me uh, who are my colleagues working with IBSA and North American Mission Board, and we were talking about what we wanted to accomplish this summer, and, uh, and they said, well, uh, we, we can't do much because we don't have a budget for this, and we don't have this, and, and I said, stop, guys, time out. It's time for us to dream big. It's time to dream big that, that God's not limited by our budgets. Not, God's not limited by all of the things that are going on. We just need to have a dream from God. And many times God's given me the passage of Scripture in Ephesians 3.20 that says, you know, He is able to do exceedingly abundant above all that we ask or think. But God said you haven't read the whole passage yet. So I went back and I read through the book of Ephesians and coming up to uh, this passage in, in chapter 3, and I realized that there were some things that I was missing, and so I don't want to miss anything about dreaming big today. So would you stand in honor of God's Word as we read in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, that's where we'll start at. It says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with the power in your inner being through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length, the width, the height, and the depth of God's love, and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now unto him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Father, I ask you that you might allow me to preach this morning. God, this second time, I pray that I'll be able to preach with the anointing of your spirit, not to please any man, but only to please you. 
God, may I do it without fear or favor. God, at the end of this service, may you say, well done. Because truly, God, I'm preaching to the audience of one that really matters. And so God, allow me today to glorify your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And be seated. As we were in there talking in that meeting about uh, what God was wanting to do and how God was going to work, my wife happened to come in to the office and bring me a, a little note. And that note said, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God and the good of others. That was a kind of the theme, the beginning of, of my year. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God and the good of others. And so as we were thinking about that and about what God wanted us to do, one of the things that God said, you need to go back and read that passage there when it says, for this reason, I bow before the Father. And so big dreams, if you're going to dream big, it begins on your knees and on your face before God. I really believe that, that what we do, if we're going to have a big dream and accomplish great things for God, it's going to happen when we get on our face and we fall down and say, God, what is it that you want? What is it that you want me to do? And as I said earlier today, and I'm going to say it again, God answered your prayer and God answered my prayer uh, about dreaming big way back over in, in, in 2004. In June of 2004, God had called us to be missionaries in Michigan and we were serving up there, and uh, my, my director uh, told me I needed to locate in, in the west side of the association. Now, our association was not one county. We had 21 counties. And he said, you need to stay on the west side, and you need to focus on that direction. And so I bought a property in Sick, Michigan. I went from Goreville to Sick, and, uh, and, so, uh, and my director said, you know, I've been asked to go and be the state director of Michigan uh, of missions in uh, Montana, and but I don't think I'm going to take it. And I moved to Michigan in the middle of the winter time in, in in November, and he told me in January after I brought my property, I'm going to Montana, and so that left me with 21 counties. I was on the one side of it, 70 miles to the office. And uh, when he left, I thought, oh man, how in the world am I going to build my house? As a matter of fact, my wife and I were praying, and, and that's a good thing to do, uh, but we, we were praying and walking around our property. We had bush hogged a, a path around our property, and uh, we were walking along that property, and we were praying, God, what is it that you want to do? How are you wanting to work? There's no way I will have time to build a house this summer. There's no way. I, I said, I, I can't do it with, with taking on the added responsibilities. And I just know how this is going to happen. And I know that we can't live in a tent in a motor home through the wintertime. Northern Michigan. Ain't going to happen. We lived in a tent and motor home for a while. And, uh, and so we were just praying, God, what do you want to do? And my son Luke comes running across the, the, the field. And uh, he comes running through the grass. And, and uh, he had the phone. He said, Brother John's on the phone. Brother John. I said, well, why didn't you hang up? I call him back. He said, no, it's really important. And uh, so he thought maybe it's something to do with my mom or something. And so I said, hello. And he said, Kenny, this is Brother John. I said, yeah, how you doing? He said, good. He said, I just, you know, 
we were getting ready to go on a world changers project down in, um, I forgot where it was at, but uh, anyway, he said it was canceled. Is there anything that we can do in Michigan? And I thought, hmm, you know, there's not any churches that are building up here that I know of, but Brother John, I need a house built. We were praying, we were walking around. You see, big dreams come from being on your face before God or walking around a field praying. God, how are you going to do this? And Brother John said, you know, let me talk to the guys when I talking about our house being built. You guys brought more people up there. And you remember that? And you came up and got there on Saturday. We went up to Gaylord and, and Noah preached on Sunday. And then we went to Mackinac Island and Mackinac City and got stuck on the Mackinac Bridge. You remember that, Betty? Remember getting stuck on that bridge? I think Betty will never forget that. But we got stuck on the bridge. And some other people scared the bejeebies out of them, whatever that is. And, uh, but anyway, you know, I mean, it was, it was, here we were. Began with prayer on Monday morning. And that guy right over there said to me one day, does it ever get dark up here? Does it ever get dark up here? I said, yeah, you got about another half hour to go. And, uh, but, you know, the, the thing of it is, on, on Friday at noon when they quit, there was a 3,200-square-foot house, completely framed, two-story, with uh, decking on all of it because of an answer to prayer. And then all the other answers to prayer. God is at work. God, it says in, in, in verse 20, that He far exceeds. Far exceeds what we can imagine and what we can dream. God said, I'm already beyond that. And our churches need to see that God wants to work in you more than you could ever imagine. He wants to do more in you than you could ever, ever imagine. It's according to His riches. Listen to what it says in the Scripture. For this reason I bow before the Father, from whom every family in earth is named. From whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. That means that God knows every family on the whole earth. That means the people's names that I can't pronounce and you can't pronounce, maybe you can. God knows every one of them. God knows every single family that's ever been born on the face of the earth. And I believe that every one of those families in every place around the world need to hear about Jesus Christ. I believe that every family, now, now Jake shouldn't be the only one saying amen there, I believe that every family on the face of the earth need to know how to be saved. That's the reason I have a shirt that says, everyone hears. Because I believe it's our responsibility, and I believe that God wants everyone to hear the good news and have the opportunity to respond to that good news. You know, if God loves everyone, and everyone has, should have an opportunity, how about all the people groups around the world today who've never heard the name of Jesus in their language? Dream big. What does God want you to do about that? How does God want you to be involved in His mission around the world? You see, I believe it's God's will that none perish but all come to repentance. And so to come to repentance, you need to hear. And... This passage of Scripture here gives it very clearly from 
God knows every family on earth. And just that being said today, God does not care what color your skin is. And we're all of one race. God created Adam and Eve. He placed them in the Garden of Eden. Amen? And we all come from Adam and Eve, and they all messed up. After Adam and Eve, a few generations later, they, they were uh, wicked minds continually. You know why they had wicked minds? Because they were depraved. They, they had depraved minds, wicked minds. And God said, I'm, that repents me that I made man. And so God said, Noah, you go build an ark. And Noah built an ark. And by faith, God brought all the animals into the ark. And through Noah... Shem, Ham, and Japheth, all of the population of the world has come through them. That is the race. That is it. I was in a conference down in Missouri one time, way down the boot hill, and there's a guy who got up and said, well, you know, black people had to be saved different than white people. I want to tell you what, there's only one way to be saved, and that's through Jesus Christ. You've got to realize that you're a sinner, and that you're unclean and not able to save yourself. And you need to cry out to him and ask him to forgive you of your sins. Come into your heart and life and be your Lord and Savior. Believe in him. And when you believe in him, you put your faith and your trust in him, he transforms and changes your life. There may be somebody sitting here today who's never been saved. I want you to know just being good is not good enough. You have to be born again. But I can tell you, he loves you. He cares about you. He loves you so much, he sent his only son for you to die on the cross. And you say, well, how in the world, if we're going to dream big, how can we pay for it all? How can, if we're going to dream big, how are we going to pay for it? That's not your job. That's God's job. If he's given you a dream to do in your life, he will resource that dream to be able to accomplish whatever it is. I'm just simple enough to believe that. Whatever it is that God is going to provide. He has all the riches. Do you know that God's never had a down quarter? He's never had a down, quarter, down time in his economy. It's always been the same. I want to tell you why you cannot outgive God either. You cannot outgive him. It's not only by his riches, but it's also by his strength and by his power we accomplish big dreams. A few years ago, they called me and said, are you going to come to Chicago week? Let me think about that. No. I'm from Hamilton County, we expect. No. He said, well, you didn't think about that very much. I said, Okay. What do you want done? And he said, here it is. He said, I, you know, we've got a, a, a group out here in Pingree Grove. The town has grown from about 250 to now there's close to 10,000 in, in the town of Pingree Grove, city of Pingree Grove. We have no evangelical church in Pingree Grove. And they told me we wouldn't be able to have a Bible study started um, by Thursday. We started on Monday. We wouldn't be able to have a Bible study on Thursday. Nobody would come. Now, I believe that God wants to plant a church in Pingree Grove. And by the way, it started out of prayer. My, my buddy up there, he had went out to prayer walk in Pingree Grove, 
and got out there, and it was cold and nasty. He said, I don't think I want a prayer walk. And so he got in his car and started up, and it was deader than a hammer. I mean, it wasn't fire lick. And uh, he said, well, I guess I'll call AAA. So he called AAA. Then we'll be out there in about an hour and a half. He said, well, what am I going to do for an hour and a half? I prayer walked. And he got back to his car about an hour later and fired it up, and it took right off. He said, hmm, I guess God was in that, wasn't he? And so when we started up there, I said, okay, I'll come and help you, but i got to leave on Wednesday. So I caught the train in Carbondale, took it to, to Union Station, and then out in the mall, walkie west to Elgin, and then we went out to, to uh, Pingree Grove. We went to the police station, and they gave us badges to do the religious opinion surveys, and they gave us the badges, and we went out and did the surveys. I had a bunch of kids with me. First of all, we, we, we did it in large groups, and we taught them how to do the surveys, and then we broke up into smaller groups, and we went out, and we knocked on the one subdivision after another subdivision after another subdivision after another subdivision in Pingree Grove with the permission from the police. Isn't that good that God would give us permission to do a, a soliciting? No. Uh, opinion surveys where there was no opinion survey supposed to be done? I remember I had a couple kids with me. One as a young girl from up around Clarksville, Illinois. And she knocked on a door. And this great big black guy come out. We're all one race. But great big old black guy come out. He said, can I help you? And she looked at me like, what do I do now? I said, ask the questions. So she asked the questions, and, and one of them, you know, uh, question was, uh, are you in a right relationship with God? And uh, basically, the question that was asked, and he said, no, but I'd sure like to be. I'd sure like to be. And so she looked at me again, and I took over from there. And there on, on, in the driveway, in the circle, uh, cul-de-sac where he lived, here was a man great big African-American guy who surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. Part of the new work in Pingree Grove. It happened on Thursday. I came back on Wednesday, but on Thursday evening they had 70 for their first Bible study at Pingree Grove. Now there's a church in Pingree Grove called City of Joy that runs about 300. Why? Because the power of prayer. A power of prayer of a guy getting stuck out there when he couldn't. It's by God's strength and it's by God's power. It's by faith. It's by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ to accomplish what he once accomplished. It's not by our might. It's by our faith. What do you have faith that God's able to do? Do you have faith that God's able to move the mountains? Do you have faith that God's able to build a house when there's no other way to build the house? Do you have faith that God wants to save people in, in, in areas where we may not even like. He said, I want people to understand the full measure of God. I want to be able to see the, the length, the depth, the height, and the love of God. The full measure of God, that God loves people. That God loves people more than anything. You know, one of the challenges for me to you today is that you need to love your neighbors. You need to love your neighbors. You say, well, all my neighbors know about Jesus. Is that because you've told them? Just ask them. Let me ask you, when's the last time you've heard enough of the gospel to make an informed, intelligent decision 
about Christ outside of a local church setting. You see, God's told us the majority of the people are not going to come in here. The majority of people will not log online and listen to the services. But they will listen if their friends and their neighbors go tell them. The love of God. I've got an app on my phone. My phone's turned off right now because it wouldn't go off while I was here. But, but uh, you know, I've got an app on my phone called Bless Every Home. It has all my neighbors. And when I downloaded the app, I thought I knew everybody on my loop. Do you ever think you all know everybody? I mean, and so I counted the houses that was made the loop around uh, where I'm at there, went out down to Sullivan Road, out Wing Hill, uh, Hall Church Road, back on Pitts Road. And uh, there, there's Pitts Road, that's a name down there. Uh, there's one lady who grew up as a Pitts and then she married a Klutz. And so she was Pitts Klutz. But anyway, you know, but, but, you know down that road, and, and I, there's 27 houses on that loop. I didn't realize that. And some of those houses... I didn't know who they were. When I began to pray for them, I said, God, you've given me the responsibility to go pray for those folks. And to share with them the good news. They're my neighbors. You know, I tell the story often about going and knocking on a door on Eagle Point Bay of Irvy and Mary Kewling. How would you like to have the name Irvy? I said, is that Irvin? He said, no, it's Irvy. I said, okay, you're big enough, it's fine. Whatever you want me to call you. And so I went and knocked on their door. We were doing surveys at Eagle Point Bay subdivision up there. And as I was knocking on the door of Irving and Mary Queen, it was 125 um, John Abel Drive. And got up there and, and they said, well, we had went to the church down the road and asked them to come and see us, but they never showed up. Now, how would you like to be in standing before God and say, well, we were asked to come and see, but nobody ever showed up. And so I made an appointment to, to go back and talk with Irvie and Mary. They grew up and lived most of their adult life in, in Mount Carmel. He worked in the oil fields, and, and uh, they retired at Lake of Egypt on 125 John Abel Lane. And as we were down there, I made an appointment, went back and shared the gospel with them in their living room, at their house. And when I got done, I said, have you ever heard this before? And they said, no, we have not ever heard this before. Lived here all their lives, but nobody had ever told them the good news face-to-face in a language they could understand. And folks, there are thousands of people all around us here in southern Illinois, that's never heard. They may know a little bit about church. They may know a little bit about God. And they may know a little bit about Jesus. But the majority has never heard the gospel spoken to them in their own language. And folks, God is going to hold us accountable for that at some point in time. I'm sorry, it's not Jake's job. It's all of our jobs. Amen? It's all of our jobs. The love of God, to love your neighbor. The love of sharing the good news where you are. We had 72 mission teams that come through in Michigan. And a majority of them uh, come through our house at some point in time out there that you all helped build. And, and by the way, that ministry is still going on today. 
Because my daughter Andrea and my son-in-law Josh bought our house up there in property and they have an alpaca farm and a, a lavender farm. They had 3,200 people come through uh, their property last year where they could get a chance to share the good news with them. My daughter's on staff at a church in, in Traverse City. So God is still work and using that house as y'all help build. But you're sharing the, God, the gospel and the good news locally. And every team that comes through, I'd say, what was your experience while you've been in northern Michigan? Tell me what you experienced. And they say, well, people were a lot more open. They were more friendly than I thought. Folks, there is a misnomer that people up north are rude. A lot of it's how you treat them is whether they're rude or not. Some of my dearest friends are in northern Michigan right now. What, what did you experience we saw God work. I said, did you have a good time? Did you get the chance to share the gospel with somebody? And almost every team said, yeah, we got a chance to share the gospel with someone. Then I'd follow up. I said, you know, God made you a missionary up here for a week. And you're excited. You'd love to come here and be a missionary. But God's placed you back wherever you're from. And God wants you to be a missionary where you are. The old saying is, you bloom where you're planted. You are fired up to go be a missionary. Now go back home and be a missionary to your school. Go back home and be a missionary to the people that are around you. Where God's placed you. Big dreams comes by starting with, with praying. On our faces before God. Big dreams come from a great God. To accomplish those dreams, he said, I'm able to do far exceedingly abundant above all that you ask according to the power that's at work in me. He's able to do far exceedingly above. You know, I believe that God's given us a job to do. How many believe that God's given you a job to do? Jeremy, you'll appreciate this. My dad asked me in 2012, why are you going back to Romania? Isn't there people here that you need to preach to? I said, yes, dad, there is people here I need to preach to. And, and, and I don't want to neglect doing that because I, I preach quite a few places and to a lot of people every, every year, a lot of times every week. I said, but, but God's given me a bigger picture, and God's given me a greater job to do, and I've got to go do what God, my, my Father in Heaven has told me to do. I said, Dad, let me ask you a question. I said, when I was growing up, you always had something else for me to do. He would take a, a feed bucket that was completely full, and he would take that bucket, and he would shake the feed out of this bucket and put it into this bucket, this bucket, and this bucket. And then he'd hand me an empty bucket and say, go get me some more feed. Dad, I'm one to the house. Get me some more feed. On Saturdays, my job when I was a little feller was uh, to scrape the holding pen and load it into a manure spreader. The manure that was on uh, the lot out there where our cows stood before they got milk had to be hauled off. And that was my Saturday job. And by the way, I didn't get paid for it. I asked once and that was enough. And, uh, and so, I, you know, I, I, I was out there with a scoop shovel and scooped that manure in, in a manure spreader. And this time of year, it was running, it was nasty, and I'm not going to tell you more about it, okay? That was my job. 
I said, Dad, how would it have been if, if I decided I didn't want to, I didn't want to scoop the, the holding pin off anymore, that, that, I, that I'd just go swimming instead? Now, it had to be a little bit later than this, but not much. But uh, how would it like if, if instead of scooping the manure off the holding pin today, I decided I wanted to go swimming? I said, it wouldn't have ended very well for me, would it, Dad? He said, no, probably wouldn't have. And I said, Dad, my Heavenly Father's given me a job to do, and that is go preach the gospel to Romania and to the ends of the earth. You know, we need to dream big. God can accomplish more through your church than you could ever imagine. Uh, many years ago, I was pastor at United Missionary in Lick Creek, and uh, God began, uh, and I had a desire and a, and a passion to see our church grow. And I went to a John Maxwell concert, con, not concert, I didn't have concerts, but I went to a John Maxwell conference on Challenge 1000 at Woodstock, Georgia. And I took some men from my church with me to expose them to uh, John Maxwell and Johnny Hunt and all those guys like that who were my heroes and my leaders. And, and so I, I was down there at First Baptist Woodstock and old Bill Miller was with me. Bill was an old country boy from, from down there at Lick Creek. And we walked into that building, and he looked around, seated about 5,000 people, and he went. And out of my mouth, before I could stop it, I said, Bill, you could put a lot of hay in here, couldn't you? He said, that's what I was thinking, preacher. And I put a lot of hay in here. I said, mm. And we went to that conference. And man, I was fired up. We're going to go back, and we're going to build a church, and it's going to run 1,000 we're in the process. We'd already built a building, getting ready to build another building. We're going to run, you know, we're going to build a 500-seat auditorium. And I was praying one day. Sometimes praying will get you in trouble, Jake. I was praying on Wayside, God, what is it that you want us to do? And uh, God, I, I want to reach Southern Illinois. And God said, how many people in Southern Illinois do you want to reach? I said, God, I'm greedy. I want them all. I want to be able to share the gospel and see everybody come to faith in Christ. Okay. So we went back and we built a church. Now, God began to do something totally different. God began to save some people. And then he began to call others into the ministry. And God showed me that we had more opportunities by expanding out. And we planted churches and we helped other churches revitalize. Matter of fact, it was kind of weird because one day I had a guy come up to me. His name was Doug. And Doug said, Brother Ken, God's called me to preach. I said, man, that is good, Doug. I am glad that God's called you to preach. He said, but you need to hear me out. He said, God's called me to pastor the church that United Missionaries split from. He called me to pastor Pleasant Ridge. I said, that's awesome. They're three miles from our church. They're not our competition. Three miles from our church. I said, that's wonderful. We had a reconciliation service, and we commissioned Doug and his wife, Patsy, and there was about 20 people. We gave an invitation. Some of you folks need to leave and go help Doug. About 25 people left our church, went three miles down the road, and the kingdom was advanced. At the same time, we ordained his, his son, Jamie, uh, the same day we ordained Doug, we ordained Jamie, and we sent him out into the ministry. We, we sent um, Bobby and Jack Richardson. Bobby got saved. He was one of those guys that hid from me. Every time I'd go share the gospel with him, he would hide. I knocked on the windows and say, hey, dude, I know you're in there. 
I went to the back door because I knew he was headed out. And I was not going to let loose of him. Finally, after he went through rehab, he committed, uh, um, was contemplating suicide, and, uh, and God wouldn't let him go through with it. God saved him after that, and a few months later, God called him into the ministry, and he's still pastoring a church today, down there after 25 years of pastoring in the same place. But what God showed me one day when I was back up on that hill, he said, Kenny, I've done more through the expansion because when I was on that hill, I could see off to, to the right down in there and could see the, the, the Mississippi River and, the, and, and that area down there. I could look to the left and see down into Kentucky. I could look to the north and see Murfreesboro and uh, all those uh, places north and Carbondale and, and Marion. It was a neat place to go pray. But what God said and God showed me, I've done far more than what you ever ask. I've done far more by sending these guys out than what you could have ever done through United Missionary as a church running a thousand. And folks, I want you to think locally. Dream big locally. How many churches around you today need somebody to go serve as pastor? Maybe God's speaking to some of you and calling you that you need to go you need to be commissioned here by God and then sent out. This is your home church. And they've commissioned you and they send you out. It may be to go. We talked the other day uh, about Hickory Hill. First revival I ever did was at Hickory Hill. I broke the camera. Sorry. Hope it don't break today. But at Hickory Hill, first revival ever in my life was down there. But folks, the Broughton area probably needs an evangelical church because not everybody down there will come here. Y'all got quiet on me. Are y'all still breathing? Listen, I got all those guys back together one day, all those preachers we sent out, and we had, I fed them a meal, and I said, you all must have been a bunch of deadbeats. What? I said, you all must have been a bunch of deadbeats. I said, you all, we sent you guys out in ministry, and our offerings never went down one bit. Y'all must not have been tithing. Y'all must not have been giving. And I said, let me tell you something else. I don't know how it happened. You left and our attendance never went down. How did that happen? Well, it happened because you can't outgive God. If you dream big, God's already beyond that for you. What about the areas around right now? Are you locally who need a gospel witness? Somebody like an Irvy and Mary Kuehling who needs to hear the good news. Maybe, and by the way, I believe that everyone needs to hear. And you guys have been part of, of, of stuff even this year. Last year that you may not have been aware of. This was the 16th year doing evangelistic deer hunt. We don't evangelize deer, we shoot them. Just didn't shoot a lot of them this year. But anyway, we, we, we started out and... They go hunting, and then we bring them in, and uh, every evening we do a devotion, and this year's devotion was, what's God want for your life? What's God want from you? Let me put it in Christian terms. What's God's will for my life? Those guys don't talk like that, though. What's God want from you? Well, first of all, it's God's will that you be saved. 
It's not God's will that you be saved. And if you're here today and you're not saved, I want to tell you what God's will for your life is. What does God want from you? He wants you. He wants you to surrender your life to Him. And the second night was, um, if you have trusted Christ as your Savior, what God wants from you is God wants you to obey Him. Folks, He's not Lord if you're not obeying Him. He's, not, he's still Lord, but He may not be Lord of your life. Or it may be just a, a, a you know, you need to repent and get right. But He is Lord. You need to obey Him in every aspect of your life. You need to obey Him. And so the first act of obedience is following Christ in baptism. And I had a guy down there for Ricky Garcia from Florida was on the hunt this year. He said, well, how many of us have been baptized? Some of them raised their hands. I said, let me ask you another question. How many of us have not been baptized but would like to? And one of the first hands up was Jeremiah Matthews, who's been hunting with us about 10 years. And Jeremiah said, I want to be baptized. And then Garrett, who got saved on his way back to Michigan a few years ago, who is a stepson, said, I want to be baptized. The, the police officer who gave me a ticket when I first went to Michigan said, I want to be baptized. I said, good, I'm going to hold you under a long time. But anyway, and then, then one of the guys from Kentucky said, I want to be baptized. And he said, I come over here to hunt big deer. When I talked with him one-on-one, -on -one, he said, I, I found something a lot better than big deer. Folks, when a deer hunter says he found something better than big deer, you've had revival. Y'all quiet, come on. God was at work. The next, and so the next night we baptized four of those guys. Four of the 16 that was on the hunt. We baptized. We had 21 one day hunting with us uh, this year. And then... The next night, we were sitting there doing our, our devotion, and what's God want from you? God wants you to forgive. That's a pretty tough one, isn't it? It's a pretty tough one. I told the story about what happened at a guy at United Missionary one time when, when, when uh, he got saved. He said, I tell you what, I've got peace in my heart and forgiveness in my heart right now like I've never had before. And he looked at me in eyeball to eyeball in the front of everybody and said, I'm going to pay this preacher to go share the gospel with the two men and the woman who killed my son. Now, whoa, that's forgiveness. And when I told that story, I was looking at a guy sitting back off to my left in a reclining chair, tears running down his face. And I said, man, what's going on? What's going on in your life? He said, well, he said, I've been trying to figure out how to get into prison and kill the guy who killed my daughter. Said he was, she was worked a 12-hour shift as a nurse and coming down out of Birmingham, Alabama, got hit head on by a drunk driver. He said, and he didn't care enough about my daughter to go check on her. He was getting the beer cans out of the back of his truck. He said, I've been trying to figure out how I could get a hit on him in prison. He said, I guess I need to forgive him, don't I? Folks, that's real stuff right there. And it happened because some of you let some of these hunters hunt on your property. The guy that got baptized, it was a police officer, hunted on, on y'all there, Larry. That happened because you guys have been part of something bigger than yourself. Coming up here, in March, I'm planning on headed up to Michigan for a few days, take a vacation, go see my kids and my grandkids, but also to help start a new church in Buckley because of you. Dream big what God can do through you. God's doing some things with Illinois Changers in your church.
it's great to be able to fix projects, but able to share the gospel in the midst of fixing those projects that's going to transform lives forever. Maybe God's called you to be part of a, a bigger area and going down to Cairo and working with our church plant in Cairo. Cairo's not a very fun place to be. Our church planner who's planting Grace Church in Cairo faces gangs every day. And folks, they're not your sissy gangs either. There's hits out on lives and we've had to move people out to places to get them out of Cairo after they got saved to keep them from getting killed. That's real. That's here. But our church planner in Cairo has tremendous needs down there to be able to minister. I can tell you all of the things that are going on down there. But we need the churches that's going to stand up and say, we're going to go help Cairo. We're going to go plant a church. Folks, Cairo's going to change. In the next few years, you'll see a big change in Cairo because it's been designated a port city. And folks, we need to be ahead of the game as the other stuff starts coming in there. Maybe God's wanting you to be part of a, of a food ministry. I was just thinking out there in between services a day, three times this week I've made trips to uh, Mount Vernon or Fairfield getting a, a, my, my trailers uh, 6 by 14. And the other day when we were up there on Wednesday up at Mount Vernon, I said, don't put any more stuff in this trailer. It's going to blow the tires out. I mean, they were already squatting and it had 40 pounds of pressure in each tire. I aired it up to 60. I said, don't put any more thing in here. This trailer can't handle it. I'm praying God gives us a bigger trailer because we're hauling food down to the Cairo and to Tams and to uh, Metropolis and to Gorham and Jacob. Hopefully Gorham and Jacob to start a new church. But all these places, people are hungry. In Alexander and Pulaski County, there are two grocery stores and three Dollar General stores in the two counties. They're hungry. They need help. And when we give them a, something to eat and a glass of water in the name of Jesus, we have a right to give them the good news. If they don't go hungry and nobody feeds them and cares about them, we don't have that right. But folks, we've got people who have, are, are doing that right now. Does times get tired doing some of that stuff? Yeah. How about Murfreesboro? Where we have a church plant there that they've got a sagging building. I've seen a lot of churches sag over the years, lag over the years, but this one has got about a three-foot dip in the roof. We need some people to go in and help fix that roof because they don't have the money to fix it. Maybe God wants you to help with a mission project of Chicagoland this summer on the last week of July to be able to go and work in, in down the road from Pingree Grove in the next community called Huntley. I believe that God's at work at Huntley and wanting to plant a church in Huntley. I got on an airplane a few years ago, the same year that I was talking to my dad about being obedient to go where my father called me to go. And, and, and I'm going to talk to somebody, and on that airplane we left Chicago land, and all you could see was houses and houses and houses. And I'm from southern Illinois, and, you know, there's not much I like about Chicago. But I began to see the enormity of lostness that was below me. And thinking, God's going to hold me accountable for those people. You may not like Chicago either. But folks, there's a lot of people in Chicago from all around the world who need Jesus. In April, or March the 18th, I'm on me meeting with the Romanian Baptist Church in Chicago. 
Because I've been to Romania a gazillion times. I'm getting ready to go back and take a load there this year to do a work with a Jalo Gypsy Church and the places in that area. I'd love for you to go with me. Love to go back next year and build a building back in, in, in Jalo because the Gypsy Brothers over there have, have outgrown their building. They make good beans. I, they had a Gypsy bean pot. And I said, I'd like to have one of those. So they got me one. It was two pounds less than what my limit was for my check-on and, or my carry check-in. And so I checked it in with 48 pounds and carried my gypsy pot home with me. But my brothers in, in Jalo and the gypsy church there are wanting to reach the rest of the gypsies in their community and they've outgrown their space. Or to be able to bail, buy a hay baler for people out in the villages of Romania and say, how in the world can you reach people with a hay baler? How many has ever picked up hay in here? <laughs> yeah. You pick up hay there. They do it with a rake. They cut it with a scythe. They rake it with a pitchfork and they throw it loose on a wagon. We helped a, a pastor get a baler. He could go to his neighbors who were orthodox and said, hey, I'll bail your hay. You can give me a little bit of money, whatever you have. But I want to do this because I love Jesus. And I want to tell you about Jesus. They reached many people in their village because of a hay baler. This year, how many remember KJ, that little seven-year-old, who was, when you guys come up and built our house, Somebody may even have signs still in your basement from, from KJ. Oh, KJ. God's uh, done a work in his heart and life. He answered called ministry back when he was 16 years old up at Wayne City. He's right now a, airplane, or a helicopter pilot, worked for Crystal Flash Fuel Company. But uh, this summer he's moving to St. Ignace. And uh, he's going to be working for uh, the helicopter company up there does tours over Mackinac Island that flies out of St. Ignace. And the whole purpose and point of it is we also have another guy that's retired and moving up from uh, Tuscola, Michigan to plant a church in Mackinac City. So maybe God wants you to be part of something like that. But folks, I'm going to tell you what, you need to dream and you need to dream big. Because God wants to do far more from you and win you than he does anybody else. As much as he does anybody else, anyway. I was at the McLeansboro Hospital seeing my mom one time, and there was a nurse in there. And she said, You remember what I remember most about you? I'm from McLeansboro. That's a scary, scary statement. But she was my 4 H leader, and I said, Yes, ma'am, I know exactly what you're thinking. I said, You remember that boy? who couldn't do a 30-second radio spot because they gave me the, the, the text to read and I was terribly intimidated by reading in public. I could not read to do a 30-second radio spot. It took me over 15 minutes to do that stinking spot. I memorized it and I can still tell you what it is today. But I said, isn't it amazing that God could take a boy who couldn't do a 15-second, 30-second radio spot Allow me to preach the gospel from coast to coast in America and other places around the world. God can do far exceedingly through you than you could ever imagine. 
God wants to do something through this church that far exceeds you. Every person needs to hear. That includes your neighbors. Allow God to speak to your heart about what it is He wants you to do. And when God speaks to your heart and life about what it is He wants you to do, get after it. You don't have to pray about it anymore. Just do what God said to do. See what God can do through you. See what God can do through you. See what God can do through this church. I'm going to come back one more time. First of all, if you've never been saved, God wants you to realize that you're a sinner and there's no other way but through Him. You need to repent of your sins and trust Him. Ask Him to forgive you of your sins. Come into your heart and life and save you. And when you do, God will do for you what He did for me on July the 8th of 1983. He'll transform your life. My life has never been the same. And He's given me big dreams. God wants to save you. If you are saved, God wants you to dream big because He's far beyond that already. Stand with me this morning. Father, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for calling me into the ministry. Thank you for allowing me to be part today of 10 Mile Baptist Church. And God, how this church has impacted my life. But God, as much as this church has impacted my life, you've impacted it far more. And I pray today that as we close this service, God, that there'll be somebody who needs to be saved that would be saved today. God, if there's people here who are saved and they've been wondering, what, God, what is it you want me to do? God, I believe that you've given us the ability by faith to accomplish whatever it is that you tell us. That they will know, and then they will go. God, you've given us a commission to go. I pray that we would. In Jesus' name. Amen.